Welcome to episode 35 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I am remotely joined by Craig. Hey, Tom. Uh, because we're in a lockdown at the moment, as is a fair bit of our country and other places around the world. So we've got a whole bunch of content coming up for you guys to kind of keep you busy. Um, if you can't get to the outdoors, I'll try and give you enough stuff to at least feel like you're there. All right, Craig, let's do it, man. Play some funky music. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps, track your location, even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian superfine merino wool base, mid and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbean, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. This episode is also brought to you by our premium sponsor, Yukon Jack. It's the smooth 100 proof shot available in 50ml pocket sized bottles, making it the perfect partner for your most rugged adventures. Yukon Jack, only the strong survive. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, how are you, buddy? How's things over there? Oh, it's pretty good, Tom. Pretty lonely, mate, well, here in the studio. Well, I thought you were saying it's pretty good because I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once again, I'm in your chair, mate. I'm in the in the driver's seat here. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah well, you're just having your little um, fantasies while I'm not there. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the left-hand side of the vehicle here. It's nice, mate. Yeah. It's good over this side. Uh, very good. Yeah, no, it's not a bad spot I've got over there, to be mm, honest. Yeah, but it is lonely. It is lonely without you, mate. So Yeah, um, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Even just um, just doing the intro then, I thought, oh, it's just it's just different not actually kind of seeing you and being able to have a laugh and everything. Yeah, I reckon we'll have to rig up some video or something so at least I can see you, but, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll... you see the stupid faces I pull when I'm <laughs> looking at all these news stories and the secret... Um, Hand signals I'm giving you throughout. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. I, uh, I think yeah. it is It is going to be funny um, when you're talking about stuff that I can't see on the screen. You're right. Yeah, I just have to get better at describing. Okay. Um, we'll make it work. You just treat you like a listener, basically. Okay. Uh, which is like, you know, a king. A king listener. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? The, um, I've, uh, last time we did a lockdown podcast... I was in my son's bedroom under his bunk bed, but I've upgraded to my own office for this one. All right. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I'm living the high life. Got my luxuries around me. And uh, you might even get an audible visit from 
some furry friends of mine. Let's just leave it at that. Now, the thing about that is if they don't make any noise throughout the whole entire podcast, it's going to be absolutely weird because... You've set yeah. yourself up there, mate. You I really have set have. myself up. But you're you're going to have to start making furry noises at the end of yeah, this podcast. Yeah, they interrupt. Oh, wow. I just got uh, a massive email came in, or rather the email sound was loud. I'm just going to quit my email program. See, that's what <laughs> that's what never happens at your place. <laughs> Luckily, I don't think that came through the mic, so... No, it came, nearly blew my ears off. That, that's all right. <laughs> mate, what, what have you been up to? Tell me, what have you been up to? <laughs> well, as you said, mate, we're in lockdown. I'm, I'm stuck mm. at home. Um, actually, I still get to go to work during the day, but yeah, we've been hanging out with the family a whole lot, just doing a bit of home time, getting... Yeah, I'm just trying to reduce a bit of stress at the moment, mate. I'm not. I'm not letting things get to me. I'm having a bit of a, you know, qu- quiet sort of peaceful time. I'm just. I'm just getting to know the kids again. You know, spending some more time with them. It's been fantastic, actually. Yeah, it's it's the way to go, mate. The um, uh, I mean, it's it's easy for for some people to say. I mean, we both continue on with work, regardless of lockdown. Uh, it doesn't affect me. But, um, it, I mean, it does affect me as far as all of a sudden I'm homeschool mega dad and uh, everything's going crazy here. But, yeah. um, but I guess what I'm saying is I still generate an income and I don't have those extra stresses. But it definitely I think it's important to to explore some other some other avenues, you know, some other stuff. Um, yeah. I've been getting into my spoon carving, mate. Oh, right. You should see me go. Really? Yeah, I just finished my second one. So that's like a, a um, whittling skill, right? So yeah, that's right. I've got proper, um, you know, Mora, Mora knife, yes. Mora knive. Yep, yep. Um, well, I've got two Mora carving knives. Yeah, okay. And um, particularly small blades on them. Little tiny um, blades on the tip and one of them was curved, is it, for using for Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a curved one and then the, the one that's almost like a triangle, elongated triangle shape. Um, so I can just imagine you, mate, sitting under a tree. Just I do. I literally sit out the back there. Chickens I, on um, your shoulder. Oh, the, in the vicinity, yeah, <laughs> around, out of the fire. <laughs> that's something I've been doing a lot of is cooking out the back there for no reason at all. Oh, yeah. You know, I sat out the back. Um, so I've, I, I don't live in the suburbs, just for the listeners. I might have, meant, might have mentioned that before. Um, and I sat out the back on Saturday night. And because the lockdown had kicked in, the streets were so quiet. Um, and I had a fire down the back and I cooked dinner for the whole family. And then they came inside because it started to get pretty cold because we're um, we're still in winter here in Australia. And I sat out there from 6 p.m. till um, 10 p.m. by myself. Really? Just looking at the fire. Nice. And um, just looking up at the stars. And that was it. I did nothing except that and just have some peace. Oh, that's in, that's great, mate. Good to hear. Yeah, it's good. I've I've been doing lots of weird stuff, mate. Let me continue. All right, tell us. But I'd, I'd love to get a go on that whittling, you know, the, the curved spoon. There you go. Oh man, it's so much fun. Blade. I'm not. We'll put it this way. I'm I'm not taking my. Uh, I will not be taking my spork any longer. 
oh. any trips. Yeah, yeah, it's replacing that. Oh, wow. Hands down. And you know what? It's not even that heavy. We use mango wood because I've got a mango tree yep. in the backyard. Okay. So if, if I prune a branch off, I just I've cut it into a spoon. All right. That's <laughs> uh, pretty cool. <laughs> oh, wait, that's next level. Uh, yeah, it sounds like I'm getting pretty hillbilly back here. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, yeah, so I made a leather pouch for my coffee. I'm not sure if I mentioned that to you or not. No. Yeah, so getting into the leather work. Shout out to uh, Jordy from, you can find him at Hide and Seeker. On Instagram, the reason I want to give him a shout out is he's a listener of ours and and he's been in contact with us a few times. A hell of a nice bloke, but I actually sent him a message and said, "Can I ask you some questions about leather work?" And so he let me um, give him a call, and we must have talked for for ages. And he um, imparted some of his knowledge and expertise because um, he does it full time, right? That's his full time right. job. Yeah, and uh, it makes fantastically beautiful um leather products but yeah so thanks mate i really appreciate that it's just this community is just amazing and it just it just keeps amazing me when people are so willing to give up their their time to kind of help other people out it's awesome so what sort of pouch is it for your coffee oh it's just like a drawstring leather pouch basically right. and the first uh spoon that i carved is more like a a scoop a little scoop which is basically um yeah coffee yeah right yeah yeah good size for that so i'll just keep that in that bag and um yeah it looks pretty cool i feel like a viking or something yeah drinking my coffee (laughs) yeah very good (laughs) uh i've done other weird things too like uh i started um messing around with some writing some poetry and stuff like that. I, t- I told you, man, it's all st- strange things going on over here. Wow. Yeah, I finished my first poem ever since, uh, I guess, high school. And I really enjoyed the whole process. And then I st- started trying to write a second one, but it turned into a kind of a short story. Um, mm. No, No surprises that they're both about kind of you know the outdoors <laughs> right yeah so are we get an exclusive tonight or um what? no not tonight i don't think it's oh. a bit yeah, it's still too soon yeah very bit too soon <laughs> a bit shy you know but I'm, so i was thinking about maybe putting them up on the website eventually <laughs> okay cool i don't know um yeah they're worth it worth the read anyway my kids like them so they're a really good audience for anything but <laughs> yeah 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 oh that's good um Hey, I'm going to jump into the quiz, mate. All right. Yeah, put it out there. Get, yep. uh, yeah, yeah, yep. let's get the quiz question out there. What do we got? I, I actually don't think you you will know the answer to this. You know, when I, when I started the quiz, I I kind of said that I would endeavor to educate the rest of the world about Australia, um, you know, just for a bit of fun. But also the amount of times that I've learned stuff from this has is, is been really good as well. Right, yep. So the question is... How much larger is the USA than Australia? So the physical size of the country. Um, mm. It's it's surprising, very surprising, I think. And uh, that's the other thing too. I think a lot of our um, US listeners, g'day guys, thanks for listening. 
And the rest of the world, I don't think they can comprehend um, the physical size of Australia. So that's why it's such a good question. That is a good question. I think that would yeah. be interesting. So we will find mm. out at the end, right? So, yeah, it's basically how much larger is the USA okay. than Australia. Yeah, and you will find out at the end if I choose, if to, um, yeah, if I choose to give you the answer. Okay. I still can't believe that was one of our listeners' favourite moments. This <laughs> one I asked <laughs> the, question. the quiz question and they just closed out and didn't give the answer. It's <laughs> uh, great. Those good times. <laughs> Let's not do that again. No, no, I'll try not to do that again. Hey, the uh, the steamers video came out between yeah. our last podcast. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so if you cast your mind back, listeners, to when we did the podcast in the cave, I think it was called from the back cave. Um, this was the trip. We did a little bit of filming on that trip, and I just knocked it together. Um. And I thought it came up all right. It's just a short video, but it'll just give you an insight into where we were. And there is actual footage of the um, cave that we were recording from, which is pretty cool. So you can kind of put it all in perspective. Um, yeah. So I thought I'd mention that because it's not often that I've just been so busy in the last 12 months. It's not often that I've been dropping anything on YouTube, so it's pretty exciting to be able to drop something else. The good news is I've got another two um, another two videos. Wow. Um, yeah, close on the heels of that one. Oh, that's exciting. I liked watching it, mate. It was good seeing those. Yes. Sort of the memories came back straight away. Yeah, it was, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, some of your fantastic drone footage at the end really uh, <laughs> summed it up. I just love how that, um, yeah, just kind of wrapped it up nicely, showed yeah, the vastness, yeah. the yeah. vastness of where we were, which, um, yeah, a lot of the time you're deep in the trees, so you don't really get that appreciation until that drone goes up and you see, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was special. pretty, pretty epic. Mm. Hey, I was, sitting on the, I was sitting on the couch the other night mm. and I was flicking through Twitter, specifically looking for uh, something that I, that I wanted to see I just saw on TV. So I was scrolling through Twitter, looking through it, and then I noticed this. Um, I noticed this, this tweet that we'd been mentioned in, um, and I really only use Twitter to, you know, just let people know that we've dropped a new episode or or a video or whatever. But someone had tagged us in. Um, they they do a uh, how do you say it? They do like a, a monthly. Um, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to read things, talk, scroll, and open a website all at the same time. The website's called hikinginmaine.blog. Uh, Maine is M-A-I-N-E, the location. Oh, yep. And the article's called Five Best Hiking Out and Outdoor Podcast Episodes of April 2020. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how far back um, we were tagged. And we pop up, in, right. yeah, we pop up in the, in the top five for specifically though, 
just for April 2020. So, <laughs> so yeah, let's just, not, let's just not get too time. excited. But I just wanted to say, uh, you know, to the um, to the authors of this website, thanks so much. I did actually tweet them back and say, this is fantastic. Thank you. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if it's in any particular order, but we come in at number three, nice midway. And here's what's, um, uh, would it be ironic or would it be coincidental? It was the episode that we were in lockdown. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, he says um, broadcast from lockdown. And he actually mentions that I'm underneath a bunk bed. <laughs> yeah. Because that must be a year ago, right? When did you say? Um, April oh, 2020. Fit, yeah, longer yeah. than a year ago when we had our yeah. last serious lockdown around here. Yeah, that was the big one. That was the, the legit one. <clears throat> um, this one for us at the moment is is shorter, at least for the time being. We hope. Um, yeah. He very kindly mentions the show notes. He's, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Because that's a good segue for me. Yeah. He says this is a multimedia presentation from Down Under. Best enjoyed by listening to the podcast while following along on the show notes. Yep. Uh, which I tell you what, you will need the show notes for this mega episode because I have so many uh, references. And I mean, I touched on it earlier, but the idea of this episode is to try and and share as much cool um, media with you guys that I've been uh, watching over the past or month or so. And there's a few older things too that resurfaced and whatnot, but yeah, really, I just wanted to impart all of that on you. So you will need the show notes and you'll need to um, jump on hikeordie.com, go to the podcast page and then select the episode. And you'll be able to, yeah, follow along, just like um, they said. So thank you very much, Hiking in Maine. Really appreciate the shout-out. Sorry it's taken a year for me to say thanks. <laughs> yeah, do you know that? That sounds good. Yeah, good stuff. Moving right along, I've got to mention in another, this is yet another um, Twitter find, way back um, oh, months ago, I was... On Facebook, in a particular hiking group, and someone said, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about, uh, I've got to do the overland track in Tasmania. It's a last minute thing. I've been given the opportunity mm. to, um, to do it because someone else pulled out of the group. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty full on. If you want any advice, just hit me up. So we, we ended up talking on, um, to Heather, uh, we ended up talking on in Messenger, and then I said, "You know what? If you want to do a, a a video call, just let's hook that up because we can go through so many things, and I'll I'll just download everything I've learnt uh, from the track." And so we ended up doing that. Yeah, we spent like probably an hour on on a video call, and I just went through everything I could think of. Yeah. Um, so she's written a really. Uh, Really cool article. Heather is is an author um, by trade, 
So she's got a couple of books already. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool because she can obviously write a great article as well. Mm-hmm. But she gets to a particular point in the article. I'm now trying to, um, struggling to find it. But it's funny because she mentions me and, you know, giving her a bit of advice in particular uh, on the, you know, water purification. So she was asking me in, in the call, like, what, you know, do I need to? Like, surely the water's, the water's nice and clean down there. And I said, look, uh, 100% it is, but um, I think I might have told her that old story um, of ours where uh, the water, you know, looks great, but that time that you went to get some water for us and you walked about 10 meters upstream from our camp and there was a rotting turtle in the creek. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? True. I think I might've told her that, but at some point I must've mentioned um, all of the possums around as well, because do you remember at um, a couple of the huts in particular, yeah, there was a lot of possums running around on the roof and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, she, and so she, she, credits me. Thank you. Very much appreciate it, Heather. Um, but I'm the guy who told her that the um, the birds and the possums um, poo a lot all over the place and it's probably collecting in the rainwater tanks from the roof and everything. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame. Uh, yeah. You do know your bird poo, mate. There's I no do know lots, lots of different poo, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, regardless, thanks, thanks for the mention. <laughs> if you're listening to us, because you saw that link in her article. Yeah, right. Well, that'd be pretty funny. I'd be. like to hear from you. But yeah, it's a great article. And what I like about it is it's not from some, like she's a fairly experienced uh, adventurer. Don't get me wrong. But. Uh, first time on the um, overland track and first time ever doing sort of like a multi-day hike like that. She usually travels around the world by motorcycle and lives off the back of the motorcycle. So this is quite different for her. So it was really interesting. I actually read it and thought, oh, that's a really interesting perspective from someone who's never done that before. So I would... Yeah, I definitely recommend giving it a read if it's a if it's a hike that you're considering doing. And if you want to talk about poo, just hit me up. I'll do a whole <laughs> one hour video call on on animal scat. <laughs> I'm surprised the wombats didn't get you know the. No, ma- they didn't get a mention because they're not often up climbing up on the roofs, onto pooing the roof. into the rainwater tanks. Yeah, right. But I guess they are into the creeks. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, great. The um, that's my my claim. I'm just going to. Just copy and pasting that onto my LinkedIn profile now that that I'm an expert in poo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I might have missed it if you said it. Is that going to be on the show notes available? That that what she wrote. I'll put wrote? a link to that. Oh, I'll cool. put a link to so the article online. for sure. Oh, nice. Yep, absolutely, mate. Uh, oh, this one's this one's a nice story. And you know, I love a good pun. Listen to this. Listen to this title of this article. Okay. A perfect. Farewell. Perfect. A perfect farewell. Right. Touching photos show a man taking his dying pet Labradoodle up his favourite mountain on one last walk with the aid of a wheelbarrow. Oh. Yeah, this guy's um, 
has a, or had rather, uh, a little dog called Monty. Mm. And Monty used to go hiking with him everywhere and always used to get uh, people's attention and they'd stop and he'd put a smile on everyone's face. And, um, yeah, people would stop and pat him and you know what animals are like. Yeah. They just kind of put you in a good mood. Um, you might be grinding up a tough mountain, but if uh, if I saw someone cruise past with a friendly little dog, I'd definitely stop and take a minute. And it's not something that we do in Australia for um, you know due to national park restrictions, but um, it's definitely much more frequently done in the US where these guys are from. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, little Monty uh, got. Um, uh, leukemia, I believe. Uh, they were very specific about that. And he did kind of fight it off for a little while, but then it came back. And when he realized that Monty was too weak um, to to kind of do any sort of walking or hiking, um, but still in fantastic spirits, he put him in a, in a wheelbarrow and walked him all the way up to top of this mountain where they used to go all the time together. And yeah, he said that even on the, um, even on that last walk, strangers were offering to like when they they asked about the dog, and then they realised you know what how significant it was. Strangers were offering to push the wheelbarrow for a while for him. You know, how hmm. cool is that? Hmm. Well, that's yeah, awesome. It's, yeah, this is epic. Anyway, so little Monty got to got to have one last. Um, one last jaunt up his favorite mountain. Mm. And he said, um, you know, secretly he thinks that Monty was just loving it because he got mm-hmm. way more attention and he just cr- <laughs> cruised along in the wheelbarrow. He's probably thinking, oh, why don't you take me up in the wheelbarrow all those other times? Yeah, know? that would have been good. Actually, Crazy I wish photo. we had a wheelbarrow on that last day of the overland when you could have pushed me home, I mate. could have pushed you, yeah, mate. It got close to that, It nearly it? did, yes. Yeah, jeez. Oh, that's good. The old knee. Yeah, that's right. Out. <laughs> it did. It did, did it come good after that? I, yeah, yeah. I don't ever remember you. No, it wasn't too complaining bad. Complaining again it wasn't too bad. It was. I mean, you sure complained at the time, <laughs> but but don't ever remember after that. Oh, he's given up. He didn't get any sympathy, so he's just given up. Yeah, he's, yeah. You were like Monty, like just basically grabbing complete strangers, saying, "Hey, how you going? My name's Craig. I've got a sore knee." <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was too. Yeah. Because, yeah, they were wondering why the hell I was going so slowly. (laughs) (laughs) You'd taken off. You'd left me behind. (laughs) Oh, I I was just cruising. I thought, oh, he must want a little bit of um, quiet time on his last day. (laughs) And then later on when you caught up, you said, oh, no, it's real bad. I was oh, geez, I feel a bit bad now. It's doing the old, uh, I was giving you the old... um, Slinky stop, mate. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly right. I've been thinking about that a lot. That was an interesting article because I never even ima- it never had occurred to me that the slinky stop um, is a is a like other people actually think about that when it, yeah. when it just happens quite naturally. But there is a, an etiquette or a psychology to it, isn't there? It's it was yeah quite yeah. I think in, I think in particular if you if you're thinking about it for the wrong reasons. That's what kind of concerned me. Like, yeah, I, I mean, if you're trying to put I some pressure on the people, yeah, yeah, I think about it now for the right reasons. So I think, okay, yeah, yeah, 
if um well first of all i just wouldn't even hike at a pace where i leave people anymore especially people mm -hmm. that aren't so we, we, if, if you didn't listen to the last episode, we're talking about a, a moment in time where a, a slower uh, hiker might catch you and you should pause and give them time to have a rest before you take off again, or it can be seen to be um, just pushing them a little bit too hard. And is that is that the main gist of that? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And almost, but it was just the way it was written was almost like, um, I don't know, the, the tone was a bit odd. Yeah. I, I explained it better. Um, yeah, go back and have a listen to the last episode, episode thirty-four. But mm. um, yeah, it's basically that. You, you know, you, if you hike ahead and someone can't keep up, and then you stop and rest and wait for them to catch up, and then as soon as they catch up, you take off again. They cool. don't actually get a rest. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I ex I've experienced that with you in the past, and probably vice versa. Um, but you know, our first hike in particular, I remember. Um, right. I would just catch up to you and you'd go, oh, okay, cool, good, let's go. And I'd yeah. go, oh, my God, I can't. I, now I need 15 minutes rest before I can move. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. But uh, from an etiquette perspective, as yeah. you mentioned, yeah. I think um, you need to kind of question why you why you were there and yeah, why you've chosen those people to be with if you don't want to hike with them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mm. I did. I did catch you. I did catch up to you by the time we got to the barge, right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. They hardly had to wait. No, you, you <laughs> up. no, we did the whole last bit together. together. No, it was yeah. good. No, but it was. It was a moment. It had a moment. Yeah, that was um, looking for that. Watching, wheel. you know, that's <laughs> funny because watching back on your footage, uh, obviously, you know, Craig and I often film uh, adventures together, and we correlate our footage later and then I'll edit that up, um, you know, to tell the story. And in this case, uh, you know, whenever we're separated, sometimes we'll film things without the other person there. You don't get to see those things until I sit down there and collate the footage and go through clip by clip and see, okay, what what, what is the story? Where are we at? Where was that taken? Because um, I have to put it in a chronological order. Hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was not until I looked back on your footage and you, on that particular morning, you were walking along explaining your injury. and I tried to explain it, didn't I? I think I remember. Yeah. Yeah, no, you did. And then I, I remember watching that footage going, oh, wow, he, he was not just taking it easy. <laughs> he was actually um, um, yeah, in tears, crying. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. In, into the camera. Yeah. So I'll, I'll never put that footage out. <laughs> Uh, as for the footage of you doing your nerdy swim, well, that's that's different. Oh, that was a couple of days earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's, it's funny it? how it was a lifetime ago. One hike can just have ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, totally. No, that was pretty pretty awesome. Okay, um, I am extremely excited when. Young people are getting into hiking in the outdoors, okay? Yep. Um, I love getting my own kids into it, and um, I particularly love seeing stories about other younger people getting into it. A particular young girl going through um, high school yeah, in Australia, 
had to let, let me just get the um the details up in front of me so yeah she's a teenager from the gold coast not too far from us and she had to uh set herself a project about something that she might like to do in the future uh so she can decided to combine her love of the outdoors and business and in order to put together this website where she kind of does a hike and reviews it and basically talks about the difficulty, the duration, the distance, you know, basically, you know, these a website where you can find out mm. everything about a hike before you go there. Mm. Uh, in order to do that, she went on 50 hikes. She's 15 and she knocked over 50 hikes. That's cool. Um, that's more hikes than I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. So she's gone and, and knocked them all out. <laughs> um, all through, you know, a lot of the state, not not just in her area. I thought, how cool is that? Because what I guess what people are not going to think of instantly is, oh, well, she did 50 hikes. That's pretty cool. But it there's a lot of learning in hiking. I mean, we don't just hike because, you know, it's, it's great fun. Like, there's a lot of learning in that. And I think that uh, you got a lot of time to think as well. I just think the lessons that she would have picked up in doing that would be just as, just as good as the, the product that she produced. Hmm. It's just great. It's just great to see someone that young saying, Hey, I'm going to get out there and, and do 50 hikes to kick off this website myself. Yeah. And, um, and as you say, it would have been a lot of development in that. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, she would have learned a lot. And I think another thing is when you, I find this a lot when I'm filming, uh, but when you're doing something like she was, you'd be paying more attention than if you just said, hey, I'm going on a hike on the weekend. If I said to you, yeah, okay, great. When you go on the hike, make sure you think about these things so that you can tell me all about it. Mm. When you get back, you'd be taking paying a lot more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, good on her. I was uh, very impressed. Well mm. done. Maybe we should go on some more hikes, Tom. That sounds good, actually. We should, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I need to stop all this spoon carving and and yeah. uh, and writing and, and go out and do some hiking. Yeah, you've gone soft, man. Yeah, I've changed. It's <laughs> a fact. No, that's sitting good on here, it. That's good. Sitting here in my, what is it, my ivory tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a good, this is a good, uh, uh, how would you put this? I like the, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Let me give you the title. Cleaning up the outback is a bonus as this couple lives the Aussie road trip dream. This couple started traveling around um, after the guy out of the couple, Bo, he broke his back. He was a he was a carpenter and he broke his back. And I think at that point he decided that, you know, life is short. Let's get um let's get out and see the country and do a big road trip. Mm. So that he did his his rehab for a few months and then uh and then they hit the road and took their 
they got something like a, I think it's a big um, Land Cruiser, an older one. Uh, anyway, they they head out on the road and they're visiting all these um, places right out in the desert of Australia, uh, and a lot of obviously a lot of the tourist spots as well. But one thing he says, the amount of rubbish out there was quite eye opening. Was a quote from him. Um, yeah, he he was just kind of overwhelmed, and and he, him and his partner were. I guess, disappointed in what they saw out there. So they just started picking it up and putting it in their, their trailer as they went. That's and cool. it kind of, it is really cool. And it kind of turned into, to their thing. So they, um, they just, they'll clean up at campsites. They'll clean up at, uh, you know, tourist attractions, lookouts, whatever. They'll just, just pick stuff up everywhere and then they'll take it to um the next town wherever they're going and they'll dispose of it properly so they'll you know go to the proper um facility and and get rid of it um i saw it as a fantastic story because how'd, what you, they look, how'd you find out about this story or is it online? Oh, it's just, yeah yeah it's just um on uh abc news story always like to keep my okay they do a lot of environmental stuff a lot of stuff rural stories as well and this one just piqued right. my attention because of um yeah they're going out of their way like there's so many other people put it this way and i'm not i'm not saying it's wrong but there's so many other people that are doing exactly the same thing as this couple mid-20s cruising around mm-hmm. jumping on instagram and just making up all of this um uh content you know, some of it fake, yeah, that sort of thing, like yep, this yep. this perfect world sort of stuff to um, just get attention and yeah, uh, yeah, just just to get attention to get sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But these guys have have gone in and got their hands dirty. Yeah, no, that um, should be shared. That's a great story, mate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. Guess how much? Um, how many kilograms of rubbish they've collected already? What do you mean? So on this trip, <clears throat> they're still out there doing so, it. Aren't yeah, they? they're still out there. Yeah, no, they're going. Um, they've collected sixty thousand kilograms right. of S- rubbish. Sixty ton. So sixty thousand kilograms. Um, Obviously, you- yeah. So they got a big trailer on the back. <laughs> they just dump. Take no, them to no, the dump. no. They just. Um, um, what should I convert that to pounds? Yeah, I'll do it to pounds. Just for our US. Oh, wow. That's a lot of pounds. That's uh, 13, no, 132,277 pounds. That's um, Everything sounds more in the US. They just, you know, you're just trying to bump it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, cool. So they've got yeah. a, a, a spare trailer on that. They yeah, they've got a trailer, and I, I think it fits four, you know, of your typical bins. Okay, and they fill and them so up. And so as then. they're cruising along, they just take stuff, tie stuff on where they can. Take it to a dump. Um, to then take it to a to tip um, on their way through and then do it again. Great work. Through the next um, – it's crazy. They said so we got 800 kilos – just between two points 
Yeah. Lots of car parts because people's cars break down. They just leave the stuff instead of like lots of mufflers. They said, right. Instead of you know you rip your muffler off, you know over a pothole or something. Instead of just leaving it, I mean, instead of putting it in their car, they just leave it. Mm. Um, there was some funny stuff though. They kind of listed all of the um interesting things. Weird and wonderful and grim. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, in, this is a quote from them, from sex toys in uh, inverted commas, lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's going on out there? <laughs> yeah, you um, plan a trip out there. I'm, I take it after hearing that. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like the place to be. <laughs> I'm definitely missing out on something. I'm not sure. Yeah, quite I don't know what, what sort it of hiking they're doing out there. I don't know, but uh, I think it's cool. And what they're looking to do at this point is uh, get some more volunteers uh, or even employees, and um, you know, just sort of spend three hours a day cruising through and doing that. But at the same time, being able to to travel. So. Um, yeah, that'd be a pretty cool way to travel, wouldn't it? Imagine yeah. cruising through those areas and at the same time you're actively, you know, cleaning it up as you go. Um, well, sounds pretty good to me. Awesome. I could get all the kids out there with those long sticks with spikes on them and just go nuts, kids. Get all of the chip packets. Yeah. <laughs> no, they'd love it. That'd be rewarding. I think they'd love it. Yeah, sure. no, they absolutely would. I mean, every every place we ever go, uh, inevitably the kids are picking up bottle caps or bits of rubbish and just throwing them in our backpack to, to take out of wherever we are. Yeah. So they're already in a good habit. Yeah, we do that too. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, you got to do it like other people certainly don't do it, do they? No. Um, I might jump over to, well, just a couple of, emails that we've had before I jump into the uh, the full-on media stuff. Oliver, this is kind of touching on that earlier, earlier um, subject about, you know, young, young people getting into good stuff. Oliver, that, oh, hang on a second. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Computer problems. Um, he's 13. We've spoken about him before and he wrote back to me for two reasons. He said, oh, um, you slightly misquoted me on, on the shout out. I said to him, I said on the, on the podcast that, um, he had, he was just about to enter his third marathon, but I misread that. He was about to start his first marathon of three before he did an ultra. Mm. Um, so, yeah, apologies for that. But, yeah, just to put it straight. So, okay. uh, But what the other thing, awesome thing that he did was um, he, he actually went on to do a Department of Fire and Emergency Services course. Right. He sent yeah. me some photos from it. It was so cool. He, uh, you know, they had, there's a photo of them, like a bunch of him and his, and his friends with, um, 
fire extinguishers and stuff, um, putting out fires. And uh, I just thought, well, what a fantastic initiative mm. there um, for, for young people to kind of get out. And, and he said, oh, you know, it's a pretty cool, um, pretty cool sort of uh, thing to, to consider as a, what would you say, as a profession. And I thought, yeah, that, that would be like, again, it's another one of those, those things where, um, you know, just getting, getting kids out into the outdoors and uh, getting them out there that early mm. and just kind of appreciating the dangers of nature and how to deal with it, yep. uh, how to responsibly kind of conduct yourself. I mean, if, if you're going ahead and, and there was a photo of the whole group and there was a ton of them, there must've been 50, maybe more in this group and once you go to a course like that and understand uh you know the dangers of fire and and how hard it is to kind of deal with it and it's putting the lives at risk of firefighters and emergency services mm. i think once you understand those things you're going to be a lot better at conducting yourself and you know when you around other friends yep. that age and you're lighting fires and you're going camping and stuff. I just think you're going to have a better understanding and you're just going to be more conscious of what it is you're doing, things like leaving no trace, things like making sure that a fire is completely put out before you leave the campsite. You, I yep. mean, teaching people young, that's just the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, fire course would be very valuable, no doubt. Mm. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't mind knowing a bit more about that myself. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. One of my mates is just studying to be a firefighter, and it, it, I guess you, like our conversation went to the fact that you know you you play around with fire and uh, camping and all that, but you don't really understand it the way that they do. And yeah, you know, th there's there's a lot more to it than just you know um, starting starting oh, yeah. a fire it's, and and hoping it's brutal. It, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, how, how it moves and carries yeah. on. A friend of mine was uh, a rural firefighter up around, you know, um, Diagula, Mount Me. Yep, sure. He lived up there and he was part of the, I think it's the voluntary crew. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, oh, it's some of the stuff that went up there through some of the summers, um, how dangerously close some of the things got to people's houses and they were able to come in and backburn and... Um, Mm. Yeah, the the wind would turn on them in a second, in a split second, yep. everything would be gone all peachy and they've got everything under control and then literally the wind swings around and everything's um everyone's in danger and yeah, it's pretty freaky. For sure. That's yeah, cool. It's pretty close calls. I don't think I'm ready for that, to be honest. <laughs> we, we had our we had our bushfire experience, and I'm I'm done with it now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I really thought about um, similarly in Australia. We've got like the SES, which is State Emergency Services, and yep. I, I think that those teams have great skills. And you know, if you want to sort of join a team that teaches you a lot of stuff that's very useful, and um, you know, you can take it with you and, and teach your kids all this awesome stuff, how to handle chainsaws and how to um, yeah, w work with fire, but also mm. also water because they do a lot of um, flooding sort of rescues. and um, Yeah, well, that's true as well. Yeah, these, these guys were doing some 
Yeah. There's a photo around this, um, one of those big boats yeah. that they take out. So I'm assuming they did a bit Swift of water, water stuff. Swift water rescue and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, some of these volunteer no, I think groups. you're right because yeah. they also do a, a heck of a lot of, um, you know, first aid and first responder type of stuff, which is highly useful in absolutely any aspect of your life. That's right. Unfortunately, um, those things can come around pretty quickly in daily life. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love it when uh, you, you you touched on it earlier. You said that um, I can't remember what the topic was, but you said, "Oh yeah, I've been thinking." Oh, this, you were talking about the slinky stop. Yep. Saying you've been kind of thinking about that since <laughs> I mentioned it, and I think that it's it's really cool when something does resonate with a listener, even if it's only one or a couple of people. Because I mean, that's the whole purpose, right? We're trying to we're we're trying to voice. Um, certain ideas and theories and and philosophies, um, perhaps not that deep, but things that you know, just ideas that people can yeah. can assess and then think differently the next time they move in those spaces. Uh, so Jodes wrote to us. Um, he's a long time listener. I'm sure, you've heard his name before. Yeah. He's a wildlife photographer. Does a lot of stuff in the UK. Yeah, his stuff's great. Yeah, his stuff's absolutely beautiful. And when we spoke about the David Yarrow um, with the, I think it was with the Arctic foxes, that mm. was a story. Mm. Um, I'll just touch on it briefly. Uh, long story short, <clears throat> um, David Yarrow is a world-renowned uh, wildlife photographer, <clears throat> but recently... He was tied up in this scandal where they were coaxing um, these Arctic foxes closer to to get photos of them. Now, uh, as I said in the other podcast, you can go back and listen to the last episode. He he can't take the blame for all of the uh, the actions of the Arctic fox because probably a hundred people before him also um, interfered mm. with the 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 level of fear that that. Arctic fox should have had, but yeah, he was most definitely caught coaxing coaxing the animal in with um, artificial, um, you know, human things. In mm. this case, it was a cellophane off a cigarette packet, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, consequently, that uh, only about a week later, they ended up having to euthanize those couple of foxes that he photographed, because I think it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, they were just enticed closer and closer yeah. and thought, so that, oh, wow, humans are so interesting. And yeah. then they did the wrong thing. And Turned into, got... into pests in some ways. Is that right? That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. They've just been. So anyway, um, Jode's, you know, said, oh, thanks for really praise you. pleased that you're shining a light on that type of a topic because it's all too easy to see uh, people like that and their photography through some of the most world-renowned magazines uh, that you've ever seen. And, um, you know, I think in, in David Yarrow's world, fine art, wild, wildlife photography, that's what Jode said. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to show the ethics behind that, yeah. and he, he said it actually made him think about his own approach to wildlife photography and making sure that he's, he keeps it wild and natural and doesn't 
doesn't ever kind of move into a territory where he's enticed by that perfect shot um, over authenticity. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh, really nice thought. And, and again, to hear that resonate with somebody out there listening, even if it just, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, suggesting for a second that, that Jodes has ever thought about or done anything like that. I think he's probably too hard on himself. Um, from what I've seen, he conducts himself absolutely perfectly. But even just to, to have that thought and think, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it because that's authentic and it's real and I don't need to kind of cross that line. I yeah. think that's nice. Um, I will put a link to his website in because I checked it out properly um, after that email. JodyHarrison.com, J O D Y H A dot com. As I said, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's some beautiful UK animals, things like uh, foxes that are, in fact, an introduced species here in Australia from the UK. Um, in their natural habitat, they're actually, a, a, how would you say, like almost like a prettier animal. Their, their coats are better. They look healthier. They're not so scrawny as ours. I think the, mm. the foxes over here kind of do it pretty tough yep. in the in the Australian um, wilderness. But uh, yeah, sure. So yeah, there's things like that. Um, deer, absolutely beautiful photography. So yeah, that's worth checking out. Good on you, Jodes. Thanks for letting us know that you enjoyed that. Yukon Jack is our premium sponsor for this episode. And recently, Craig and I had the opportunity to sample their full range of 100-proof shop flavors, including the original flavor, but also their new ones. Apple, Honey, Fire, which has a bold cinnamon kick, and also Snake Bite with a tart bite of lime. They also refer to that as the shot that bites back. Craig, I think we both agree on how smooth they go down. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because they're 100-proof, how much of a punch they pack. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a tough question for you now. Yeah. If you can only take two of your favorite Yukon Jack flavors with you on your next hike, what would they be? Oh, that's a tough question. I said uh, it would be. <laughs> I'd take uh, fire and honey flavors. Honey was actually one of my favorites too, but I'd choose snake bite to go with that. Oh, nice. Yukon Jack, it sounds tough, but it tastes smooth. All right, mate, are you ready for it? Yeah, yeah. You so ready for it? I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. I hope, I hope people are, are still uh, awake. Still awake, still listening. You're about to tell us what you've been no, no. your teeth into. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, Tom's magical mystery media mashup awesome. is about to begin in awesome. in all its glory. Probably one of the biggest ever, and that's for a few reasons. Uh, I have been going through a little bit of a, I don't know, how would you say it? Sometimes you just crave knowledge, and you just go on these little bursts of, of you know, trying to find things. Also, coincidentally. There's been a couple of our go-to sort of, you know, YouTube channels that we already have mentioned before. I uh, have brought out a couple of cool 
um, films, and I'll go on into that in more detail. But first up, we're going to talk books. It's been a while since I've completed a book, uh, partly because I was reading three at the same time, which is, is no problem for me to, to do that, but then it's it's basically dragging out all three books. I, it takes me a while to get closure on anything. It just depends what mood I'm in. So the first one I um, completed was Australia Day by Stan Grant. All right, yeah. And um, I did mention that to you, I think, last time we went out camping. Yeah, that sounds uh, good. Hiking, rather. Yeah. yeah, it was a fantastic book. And that was recommended to us in episode 28 by Dwayne Bannon Harrison. I said specifically to him, I knew he was a, uh, a big reader like myself, and I said, give me five books that I have to read. Um, one of those books was Australia Day by Stan Grant. Absolutely fantastic um, perspective from a guy who is half Irish and half um, Indigenous Australian, exactly like um, Dwayne himself. So I think that perhaps resonated with him. Uh, and just the way that he has one foot in in both parts of both cultures and both parts of Oops, I just bumped my laptop. Um, both parts of Australia is um, is really fascinating to get. And I mean, he's just a, he articulates things really well. Anyway, um, for those of you don't who don't know who who he is in Australia, he's a well, he's kind of like a foreign correspondent, or rather, that's what he did mm. um, for a long time. And he's just he's just very good at articulating things and, yeah. and, um, and how would you say it? Um, yeah, being an ethical journalist and, and getting, uh, good information across the people. And he's not afraid to ask pretty crazy questions as well. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was watching him on a completely unrelated, unrelated TV show recently. And boy, he asked some tough questions to people. So. Yeah. I've always, always liked listening to him talk actually. He, um, yeah, he's not hard to listen to, yeah. um, that's for sure. But and, he, and he writes exactly like he speaks, so yeah. it was a really easy read. And um, he's very experienced, eh? He is. He is. And it's and, th and that's the thing. You just hit on a key point there, Craig. So his experience as a a foreign correspondent, traveling all that to, to some of the most war torn countries in the world and everything in between, gives him such a unique perspective on other cultures. That he he then can kind of yeah. take a step back and look yeah. at our own culture and our own kind of integration. So I got a lot out of it. I got a lot of a uh, lot of positive out of it. I got a lot of um, um, hope out of it, and it was just it was a really good read. I'd recommend that to anybody who's who's interested in learning a little bit about. Um, because he does, he does delve into history, his own history, his own family history, and then Australian history in general. Uh, he talks about a lot of, um, things that I didn't really fully understand or know anything about, to be honest. And yeah, if you want to know a bit about Indigenous Australian history, I'd say that's a very nice balanced way to, to, to kick off and, mm -hmm. um, and build a grounding. So yeah, I give that one. A very high score. 
Oh, good. I'd like to check that one out for sure. Yep, I absolutely think. I just lent it to my uh, my neighbour. <laughs> good one. Because um, she, she likes Stan Grant as well and um, she's got um, Indigenous heritage. So uh, I said, hey, I got something you might be interested in. She said, oh, yeah, bring it over. <laughs> You'll be popular. <laughs> Which was just before lockdown, so perfect timing. It was literally about six or seven days ago I popped over and gave her the book and then it was three days after that we went into lockdown. So right. she's sorted. I'm looking after mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. neighbour as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is, uh, this, Craig, this will, you, you'll know this one straight away, but this will, this was another one in Dwayne's list, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yep, sure. It is... Uh, I don't know. A lot of listeners are thinking, "What the heck?" Because it's a, it's a the title. I think is one of its downfalls. I think that it sounds like this hideous self help book, but it it. I don't think it could be further from that. Um, if it tried, it's way more in line with kind of that Buddhist uh, approach of appreciating the current moment then you're that you are in uh rather than worrying about things that happened in the past or things that might happen in the future so it's basically about severing ties with that silly little voice that constantly is talking in your head um you know the same one that tells you you're doing great is the one the next day that's going to tell you that you're a failure and um, why are you wasting your time? Like it's separating that voice from the actual you. And some of the, I mean, without getting too crazy, this is a hiking podcast. I understand that. (laughs) Um, I do think there is a correlation between the type of people that spend time in the wilderness and the people that would understand this concept because if you think about it this way when we do spend time in the wilderness when we are climbing a mountain when we are hiking through a rainforest when we're crossing a creek crossing or whatever we're doing a large percentage of the time we spend outdoors we are in that exact moment it's difficult to for argument's sake craig you and i climbing mount Ossa, getting smashed in the face by sleet and it's freezing cold mm-hmm. i mean i challenge you to to say that you know oh yeah no 90 percent of the time i was walking up there i was thinking about something else oh no i was thinking about um this uh this cool music i listened to i was thinking about the thing i need to get fixed on my car when i get back like yeah. you're just not capable of that mm-hmm. because nothing will except nature can can kind of rip that away from you and force you into reality, especially when things are not going well, Mm. uh, when it is, you know, when there is that slight danger and you've got to basically tune all your senses into what you're doing now, not think about, well, you know, later on I'm going to cook this um, horrible uh, freeze-dried meal I can't wait. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's times where I think I can't wait to get to camp and get the get a coffee on or something like that. Mm. But yeah, there's there's something in it. I think it does does carry over. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a good opportunity when you're out in the wild to exercise that 
theory and, um, you know, push away some of those internal thoughts that yeah. can cloud your judgment at times. And I've, I've, got, I've got that. You gave me that book, Tom, and I've, yeah, we've man, had this Christmas present. We've had this chat about how I've had a couple of false starts with it and I'm going to, um, use this lockdown to get back into that book. I'm going to finish that. Absolutely. Look, I'll admit it's not, it's almost not the kind of book that, and I mean, Dwayne was very honest about this as well. He said it's not, for example, I can give you that Australia Day book and you can sit down and you can read it from front to back uh, as quickly as or, or as slowly as you want. Mm-hmm. It's a typical book. When you read this book by Eckhart Tolle, it's not that simple. You, it's not, it, it doesn't flow like that. Sometimes you'll read a whole chapter and you'll be flying through going, yeah, I understand that concept. Great. Understand that concept. Great. And then other times you'll read one page and say, okay, I'm putting this down because I can't get past this page. Well, I couldn't get past a point. I actually felt like I couldn't read anymore until I knew a little bit more about meditation and or a little bit more about whatever it was in the book. So I kind of felt I wasn't ready to read any further. So I'm, I'm going to do the hard work and actually get through it because it sounds... Oh, I'm sure it's got a lot of um, meat in there that that I really love, actually, Tom. Yeah, yeah and I think there might be. I think uh, from now having completed that book, I think it's perfectly okay to jump to other um, topics. Yeah, get a bit of an understanding of those, and then move back again to that the spot where you got stuck because it's you don't have to read it from front to back. Cool. It's not, it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, it's broken up into sections. So you can jump forward. You might find it easier. And I know this is this is uh, feedback I've had from other people. They found it easier to comprehend the same concept later on in the book uh, and then go back and, and check out the start later. So, you know, I don't think you need to do anything before you start. You don't need to be an expert in anything. You don't need yeah, to know yeah. how to meditate. It's... It's, um, it's so, it's, you know, in some ways it's not even related to meditation, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't, don't, you don't have to read it chronologically. Just, Mm. just get in there and, and read it. There's, um, I have another one of his books, which was, oh, do you hear that? (laughs) I'm deep in the forests of Africa (laughs) and that is the call of the uh, the white feathered loon. <laughs> Thank goodness you got a call because otherwise you'd had to make something up at the end of this. I told you. I said furry friends. In hindsight, I should have said feathered Feathery. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do. My son and I own a white dove each, and they most of the day they're out. Especially if I'm in the office, they sit on my. Shoulder, they sit on my um, head, they, they walk around my desk, they grab. Um, today I caught one is grabbing things out of my pen jar and then just throwing them on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Just one after the other. I'm like, all right, cut it out. Hey, we talked uh, about this actually on the podcast. We discovered that you called one banjo and I've got a budgie named Banjo. Is that true? Yeah, that's that's hundred percent true. Yeah, so yeah. um my son named his banjo, which is uh yeah. I, I think after a very famous Australian poet, 
Oh, there we go again. <laughs> they know we're talking about it. I named my girl Trixie after the um, the hit TV show, the hit cartoon rather. What was the cartoon? Oh, Speed Racer. Oh, of course. Yes, Speed Racer. Yes, his yes. um his love interest, I think. Um, they're kind of friends, but you can tell like they're mm-hmm. pretty keen on each other. Yeah, her name was Trixie. Yeah. So yeah, little Trixie and Banjo, they live just well, three meters away from me, and they've been quiet up until now. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really out in the forest or anything. <laughs> just, and I said to Craig just before we came on air, I can't, I can't have them out because they'll just fly around and jump on me and just go crazy, knocking stuff off the desk and everything. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's real wild here. <laughs> Wild Australia. Uh, anyway, I'll leave that. Um, I'll leave that book review there. It's. Oh, I was just about to say I've got his. I've got another one of his books, and from what I'm told, um, Craig, perhaps I should have bought the other book because some people have said that it's easy to comprehend uh, what he's saying in another book, uh, which is called. Hang on. Um, I think I can see it from here. Uh, a new earth, but mm-hmm. I can't comment on that because I haven't even opened that book yet. Got it. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, something to think about. A lot of people in these times are turning to references like this to try and get a different perspective, to try and have a different approach on on everything, just a different way of thinking. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in that. Yeah, good. Moving right along, I found this four-part series uh, about New Zealand wildlife. I found it on YouTube, but you can watch it through their website. And it's called Fight the Wild. Great. It is absolutely stunningly shot, fantastic uh, interviews, and you just learn a heck of a lot about the country. If you don't know this, New Zealand has no snakes, no spiders, no centipedes. You can basically go over there and throw a um, sleeping bag on the ground and put a tarp up and no dramas apart from the fact you'll get hypothermia um, within 30 minutes that's that's neither here nor there or it depends on your sleeping bag I guess but my point is they don't have any uh, they're an island and it's just this unique it's great that they rounded um, them all up then isn't it you know they didn't round them up are you oh, joking yeah I'm joking no, it's good though. It's, it's amazing that you yeah. can just have I mean, no... the whole place is just desert. They yeah. just burn the whole place yeah. to down. So, um, <laughs> yeah. No, they've... Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a nat- naturally occurring, unlike uh, unlike Ireland, yeah. where they did move remove the snakes, I believe. All right, yep. Um, so, yeah, it goes into... They've got a lot of ground-nesting birds, which is... Very, very, very unusual. Of course. Throughout the entire world. And the only reason they've got ground nesting birds is because they don't have um, predators yeah. that that we do, say, over here or anywhere else in the world. 
um, especially things like pythons that could just come along and steal all the eggs and um, chicks or whatever it wanted. Now, the problem is uh, things like stoats have been introduced. A stoat resembles uh, a weasel, a ferret, and they are absolutely lethal. They are so aggressive and they've got teeth and claws and they're so skinny, they just slide into any um, burrow and they're just destroying, mm. just decimating these ground-dwelling birds. You know, the other thing that is doing it is um, domestic cats that have gone feral. So, I mm. mean, everybody surely knows that yeah. um, domestic cats can kill at a rate beyond small things like lizards, frogs, and birds. They kill at rates beyond anything. Yeah. Um, I got nothing against cats. I just got, you know, I just don't like cats in the wild for this reason. Um, so anyway, this four-part series just goes into the the country, the history, the problems they're facing, how they're dealing with those problems, some of the science behind it. Some of the um, sometimes it's just boots on the ground. Sometimes it's uh, you know things like trail cameras and. And then they're doing some really cool things where <clears throat> they'll choose an island, a small island, and they'll just go over that and just completely eradicate every introduced species, species right. and then let the natural wildlife thrive. And then they've even got a location there where they could put some birds and reintroduce them. Hmm. Um, and they can never be touched by any of the animals on the mainland. So a lot of a lot of things that, that happen is the ships that uh, frequented all of those areas and would go ashore quite regularly would um, inevitably leave things mm -hmm. like rats, mm -hmm. the European rat everywhere, even on tiny islands. So they've had to eradicate things like that to get a fresh start because those rats will eat anything. Absolutely anything. Hmm. Um, it's just fascinating, and I think uh, I think anybody would enjoy that from our um, Australian, New Zealand listeners right through to anywhere in the world, because it is. If also, if you don't know, it's it's where um, the Lord of the Rings was filmed, so you know what sort of terrain I'm talking about, which is exactly part of the problem. It's so unbelievably difficult to move around that terrain uh, and catch up with these animals. But mm. they're doing some good work. Well, that sounds cool. And they are, oh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I probably will. They, they're doing something like they're going for predator-free by 2050, maybe, or 20. Yeah. It, they, anyway, it's, mm. it's it sounds like a big goal, but. It sounds like they're on the right track as well. I wish them the best of luck. Oh, that's great. Yeah, cool. Rest restoring it to how it was. Yeah, you'll enjoy that, Craig. You should really watch them. Yeah. You know where to find them. Uh, we had Tom Langhorn on the podcast, and apologies for not having the exact episode here. I might sneakily try and find that while I'm talking. Tom is from Scotland, um, 
his YouTube channel business and everything goes by the name of Fandebi Dorsey. Uh, and yeah, we, we had an absolutely fantastic time talking with Tom is something that Tom does is he'll hike through the mountains of Scotland, yeah. uh, but he'll be dressed in kind of 17th century, um, era clothing and he'll only carry, uh, what the sort of things that they carry. He'll only carry the sort of food they carry. He won't, he won't take a, uh, um, a stove. He won't take a sleeping bag. He'll take a, uh, a sheepskin or a deer skin and, um, he'll sleep wrapped up in his wool kilt. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, episode 19. Jeez, that was a way back, wasn't it? Uh, episode 19. Really cool episode if you want to revisit that. But Tom's continued to delve deeper and deeper into what he does. Uh, and he's, you know, from my understanding, he's doing courses and things like that in, in wilderness uh, training and survival and everything like that. And he's released a little film, a short film, somewhere around the 30-minute mark, which is a three-day uh, adventure where he sets off uh, covering quite a distance, to be honest, and some absolutely spectacular country. Again, he's trotting through this country in his little felt, his wool hat and his, um, and his uh, full kilt yep. and his leather shoes. Uh, which I mean, they're just like a piece of leather um, laced up around his foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and he 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 um he, he he's, he's fashion- just entertaining to watch too. Yeah, and he makes all his own like flasks for carrying his whiskey. That's and, right. Yeah, um, and if he doesn't make it, if it's something that's beyond him, uh, he'll go to. Uh, somebody who he knows, like a blacksmith that he knows, and he'll yeah. get that person to make a very traditional yeah. uh, knife that reflects that of the era. He he won't just go and buy something off the shelf. So yeah, he's got um yeah <laughs> his his leather shoes are literally just a piece of leather wrapped up around and laced up. Yeah, so interesting. Eh? Yeah, it's great. It's a good little film. We watched it. I think the night before last, because it's only been out about. Or three or four days. Right, well, yes. Um, I haven't actually seen anything he's put out for a little while, so I'm off the radar there, so I'm going to, yeah, get onto that. Yeah, moment. catch up on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, he touches on a lot of history because he, he does, has a deep respect for history and uh, touches on that a lot in the areas that he's traveling through. But uh, it's good. It's good. It's good to see him. As always, he's always entertaining. He's a fun guy to watch. Has a epic... Uh, accent i just can't get enough of that so yeah check that out it'll be in the show notes cool uh the next one this is a little bit of a almost well it is a correction to be to be uh to be honest i think it was in the last episode i mentioned a um a short documentary on this guy who photographs fungi right yeah and it glows. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it glows in the dark. Yep, yep. Now, none, none of that was wrong. That was all correct. But when I came home and I was putting together the show notes, I remember saying in the podcast, oh, I think it's about a, tw- it's a solid sort of 20, 25-minute uh, documentary. Right. 
And when I got home and I was searching for it, I couldn't find it in my history, so I started Googling it. And I thought I'd found it and six and a half minutes. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, uh, I, I really over-exaggerated that, didn't I? Yeah. So anyway, I put that, I put that in the show notes for last episode. <clears throat> but since then, it actually popped up again in my feed, the original one. And it is closer to that 25 minutes. And it's a full kind of history of how he got into it. Um, after his wife passed away from cancer and then he had a, a bit of a, I'd say a near-death um, medical condition, he just kind of reinvented himself and started photographing fungi. And uh, it goes into a lot more detail than obviously than the, the shorter one that I posted on the last show notes. So if you've been thinking this whole time, man... I jumped on the show notes expecting this 20-minute documentary and this idiot sold it into me as a 20-minute documentary and it's only six minutes. Uh, well, for one, I, I wasn't, yeah, I got it wrong, but I wasn't exaggerating. I found the original and I'll post that for you. Nice. Absolutely fantastic watch. We have a mutual... Uh, YouTube channel, Craig, that we enjoy watching. I think you said your kids have watched it before. Scotty's gone walkabout. Oh yeah, watch it. Um, yep. You you watched it a lot. Yep. My kids yep. absolutely love it. Yep. They totally froth over it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't too long ago that he put out a cave camping episode where he basically used the um, used this river bed to to travel. And along the way, he was looking for a, a little cave to, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a little cave to camp in for the night because he, he took his gear pretty light. That was a really cool episode. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I watched, you know, just watched the whole thing. Like, um, he's just, uh, he's very good at editing and weaving in the music and he knows when to leave space. And I think it's just, it's just really clever. He does a great job. I'm sure you agree with that. 100. percent Yeah. He, yeah. He's I, um he's I, a photographer by day, so he knows his way around the camera, which which you can tell it's good stuff. He does know his way around, and but you always feel like you've learned something when you watch it. I think he he does that purposefully, but it's it's really well done, and um yeah, we, we learn a little bit about you know, the bush tucker that he enjoys to to gather up and stuff. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, weave in some knowledge, but but it's not over the top, as you say. You, it's almost in hindsight you realise that you learned something. Yeah. Um, but because he's uh, in an area as well that's locked down at the moment, so um, I think he's been putting in a bit of time <clears throat> from what I've seen on Instagram and YouTube. So he's actually dropped another couple of videos. One of which is he's done this in the past. But I guess it's a, a revised version of a gear. He calls it a gear loadout, but it's basically um, like we did now. What's in the pack? It's basically everything that he carries. Uh, and as you can imagine, it it has evolved since he did it a few years ago. So he's just ripping everything out and explaining what he's currently using, uh, right down to first aid, mm. first aid pack, um, cooking, all, all that sort of stuff. The the hammock he uses or the the tent the tarp 
the sleeping bag. He goes in all in great detail. So, you know, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I was surprised, and I've said this to you before, our, I think our highest listened to podcast ever um, is the the one about what, what we carry in our pack, mm. which I find fascinating that someone, we, we almost weren't going to release it, and we've said that before. Because we thought it would put people to sleep. We were falling asleep ourselves yeah, trying yeah. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, but, I mean, people just have a thirst for knowledge. So you, you're going to get it if you check out that video of his. Yeah, he's got a very good setup. Like his gear is, is well yeah, thought he's, out. and he's, Yeah, he spends enough time out there to know what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would really. I'll, I enjoyed his earlier, um, as you say, pack dump or whatever you call it, and I, yeah, so if it's got a new one, that'll be good. Yeah, it is new. It's, yeah, it's pretty fresh. Sweet. Uh, the other one that he's done, which is pretty brand new as well, is he he uses a tarp, and he's done a video called Five Unique Tarp Shelters for Camping and Bushcraft. So you know that uh, when people kind of string a simple tarp up in different ways to to. Sure. Create different shapes, yeah. But it's kind of like um, yeah. hiking origami of yeah. sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done a couple in the past, but I I watched this video and and picked up another couple that I thought, you know what, that's actually that's actually not bad at all. That's pretty cool. There's some really good asymmetrical ones that he does where you end up having a ground sheet, plus it comes back over you, plus it has a little lip at the front to, um, you know, just mm. keep a bit of rain off you or whatever. Um, plus the, you know, the beauty of the way he, the way he spends time out in the wilderness, if he is under a tarp, he can leave that whole front side up and just watch the campfire while he's going to sleep and get some warmth from it. Mm. Um, I mean, there's almost arguably nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I often do miss that. Um, I remember last time we went, we went hiking. I, I took a tent and I remember pitching, pitching one side up a bit higher. And then it, I ended up, um, when I got into bed, I actually pulled one flat back so I could see the fire as I was laying there, um, for a while. Yeah. Just be, I, I just think it's just such a great part of being outdoors. Yeah, that whole tent sleeping thing is so cool. Uh, tarps sleeping thing is so cool. Yeah, and, yeah, um, it's cool. Yeah, I like mean, I've if, never... if you lived in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, it would be very cool. Uh, yeah, just if it wasn't for the mosquitoes up here in Queensland, I would be not. A, I'd be a braver person to do that. Yeah, we've done a few sort of you know survival things where we haven't taken it. Yeah, we've done all right too. I have to say we've been lucky, but then again. One particular time was was in just after winter, so it was very cold. Yeah, that'd be okay. And I don't remember getting bothered at all, to that's be right, honest. That's right. Um, but yeah, like you say, that's it's a good point. I mean, but, it's not people would think, oh, you in Australia you're probably more scared of the, uh, you know, snakes and spiders, and and centipedes and stuff that I mentioned earlier, scorpions and whatnot, but no, no. it's actually not that. It's more the irritating. Um, yeah. It's more the irritating mosquitoes. It's That's about first, it. The first thing I think of when I look at sleeping out in a tarp. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Unless you have a real smoky fire. That's it. Which right is, next again, to the that's fire. no fun either. Yeah. Uh, more hiking. Well, I guess that's what we're about, isn't it? So it's probably good that I've got more hiking Bring videos on. coming Bring up. On. Yep. Uh, Bjorn, our friend, Bjorn. Excellent. He's been on, uh, he was just on the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. if you caught that. And then he was on, uh, Oh, he was close to one. I think he didn't. We work out that he was our first ever guest. Yeah, we said that. that No, we we said that. Yep, definitely. 100%. Yeah, episode five. Episode five, Odd Bien. Wow. Yeah. Uh, He consistently puts out videos of his landscape photography adventures. What's so good about them is it's not all about the shot it's not all about the photography and in this two-part episode he takes his father with him again which he has done in the past and it's absolutely hilarious because he's his dad's his dad's a pretty funny dude and when they get together and um start having some banter usually it's something to do with uh, you know, things not going quite right, but it's good laugh. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he shoots beautifully. And again, it, a little bit like Tom Langhorn, he's just, it's hard not to enjoy watching him, even just him speaking. Yeah. He's just, he's just good value. It's good to watch. He's got a beautiful, gentle demeanor <laughs> and he's just brutally honest and he's just telling it like it is. It's really cool. Uh, so that's a two-part. I'll put two videos up for that. Oh, somebody likes the Audubon. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're really cool, Craig. And obviously um, it's in the, the mountains of Norway. Right. That sounds great. So yeah. Always it is good. Norway. I, I got that right, didn't I? Yes, yeah, Norway, he, yeah. He's Norway, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful, spectacular. I won't spoil any of the um, the things that happen, but yeah, excellent episodes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go check them out. Sit on your couch, check them out. You'll feel like you're there. Right. This but, next one, sorry, mate, what were you going to say? It takes the sting out of lockdown, all this stuff. No, oh. it does. I mean... I think um, I think the beauty of this, you know, when you get, uh, say for example, I said, um, oh, I'm gonna buy a, um, I'm gonna go buy a new book today, and then you, you go to the bookstore and you can't decide what yeah. you want to get, yep. or you, yep. oh, I'm gonna watch it. I feel like watching a documentary today. Oh, I can't decide. Mm. But when someone says to you, hey, um, here's a couple of good books you should get next time you're at a bookstore, or here's a good couple of things you should watch it just takes that um i I guess because it's a recommendation just takes the difficulty out of deciding so well it is really hard to work with those being upstaged by those doves Uh, (laughs) and so unbelievably loud here for me it sounds so cool mate Uh, does it yeah it's good yeah um so yeah so yeah i i hope that um, by giving these recommendations, you people at home, even if you're not in lockdown, to be honest, you can just, you know, put some of these on the weekend and just, just have a good watch. 
Yeah. The next one is a television show called Australian Story. You, you're mm. familiar with that? Yeah. Great. Yep. Uh, it's, I guess it just, it'll just pick a particular person and then go through their, their mm-hmm. history and how they came to be where they are. Now, I stumbled across this guy. I believe it was in a Facebook group that I'm a part of because I like native um, bird photography. And so, yeah, you just see people putting up photos of these birds that they're photographing, absolutely stunning photographs. And this particular guy has excellent photographs, but he put up a post and said, oh, I, um, I think someone asked him about, oh, how, how did you um, get into it or whatever? And he put up, he's been on Australian Story. His name's David Rennie. Mm. And when I I watched this, I watched the whole thing. It was absolutely fascinating because David was diagnosed with as bipolar. And in some ways, it's kind of become his superpower for bird photography. He, he photographs a particular area in Western Australia and he's photographed so many birds in so many different, right on cue, in so many different situations that he's actually been of great use to the, uh, I guess, to the the local kind of wildlife uh, foundations and the people that study that sort of thing and keep a record of that. Right, yeah. Because they can tell from his photographs what birds were in what areas in what numbers. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's become a bit of a resource for them. But what I was saying earlier about his diagnosis being his superpower is he's so sing- he has a single-minded approach at times and then other times, as he puts it, he's away with the fairies. But when he gets that single-minded concentration, he he might just dis- he grabs his camera and he wears a ghillie suit. You familiar with a ghillie suit? Yeah. Um, basically like a leaf suit sort of thing, he'll grab that and he'll drive out to these areas and he'll just disappear for three days. Right. He'll just be crawling through the um, crawling through the swamps and the grass and laying there for hours. Which is probably his therapy. I mean, he probably... It's exactly right. That's exactly what he's saying as well as it's... But I think that if he didn't have the condition he wouldn't be able to concentrate that long. He wouldn't be obsessed. He wouldn't be so obsessed with mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. that he could just stay and stay and stay until he got, gets the shot. So it, it's a it's a fascinating little documentary uh, there and obviously um, touches on some things that have, that have happened in his life. But at the same time, uh, you see some of his photography as well. And uh, wow, mm. that they're really getting going in here, those birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. It's going to sound very funny. What do you think they're saying to you, mate? What, what, what's the dust? I don't. Oh, I still haven't kind of worked out what they're um, 
what all their cooings about. Are they sleeping or are they doing that? Is it just like No, no, no. They're they're awake now. If I left the office and turned all the lights off, they wouldn't make that noise until or maybe a couple of times through the night, but they wouldn't make it again till first thing in the morning. Mm. But they know I'm here, they can hear me talking. Obviously they're around the corner in the dark, but the lights on, so they're yeah. thinking. Maybe they're thinking, get me out for a fly. Ah, uh, it's just because you're talking about the bird photography, probably. Right. It is. As soon as I stop talking about that, they're not interested. Yeah. He's finished. Yeah. Uh, Bo Miles is somebody that we've yeah. yep. we've spoken about before. Um, I've mentioned him in the media media mashup before. And actually some of our listeners have have written um written and said, Oh, that's fantastic. One one guy in particular tagged us on his Instagram and said, Bo, you need to get on this podcast. All right. Oh wow. <laughs> um but yeah, he's he's top guy. He's done a whole bunch of extreme stuff like paddled um around a large chunk of Africa in the ocean uh, and various other extreme outings, expeditions. But as he says in this um, this particular video, he's concentrating kind of closer to home now that he's got his first child and he's settling down. He's he he's quite happy to go on a small adventure, but still have that big adventure uh, kind of feel. And this one's called the commute, but there's another version of the commute where he walks to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this particular one, he paddles his kayak to work. <laughs> right. Yeah, because right out across the road from his place is this is this creek or this stream and he basically that in some way or another he can link it right outside where he works oh that's the other type of call those birds make <laughs> did you hear that sound like he's laughing at you yeah that's exactly right that's they call it their laugh all that's, right that's a different one um <laughs> so <laughs> It does sound like a laugh. So anyway, um, it's usually a 75-minute drive, uh, an hour and 15 minutes if if my math is good. But it takes him four days to get to work. Really? Four days of paddling. Um, yeah, because obviously <laughs> it's not the way the crow flies or it's not even the way the road goes. It's the way the creek winds. And uh, so he has to stop overnight for several nights uh, just on the, the side of the creek and set himself up. And he sleeps pretty rough, to be honest. Um, and he paddles through some pretty rough stuff as well. But he talks a lot about, uh, first of all, he says it's pretty cool to use the water that literally falls off his roof onto the ground. He's going to use that to get to work. And re, you know, reduce his carbon footprint on that particular four days. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he also, as he travels through the river, it's a river that he grew up on. He kind of comments a lot on the 
you know, the introduced kind of um, plant life and that sort of thing that he encounters and the, mm. the shape that that system's in. And then as he gets closer to, you know, civilization, um, a lot of the, there's a lot of introduction of weeds and stuff like that. And so it's quite sad in parts, you know, to see this pristine stream um, later on, you know, is, is not that pristine. But it's a fantastic watch. Great little, um, a great. I don't know what you'd call it. It's it's a short film, but in some aspects, it's somewhat of a a documentary, short documentary. Hmm. Very interesting. So he, yeah. He's that Aussie guy, right? I'm not mixing him up. Yeah, no, he's Australian. He's from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah he did the one about uh, what following that train line, that very old train exactly line. Exactly right. Yeah, that run, was so run good. the line. That was cool. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, a lot of these, you know, I'm glad you touch on that. A lot of these these videos that I'm recommending, I'm not just recommending them for the, for these precise videos that I'm going to be listing, but I guarantee you yeah. once you yeah. watch, for example, Fan Dabby Dozy, or if you watch one of the Scotties Gone Walkabout, or if you watch one of Odd Bjorn's, if you watch one of Bo Miles's videos, all of a sudden I haven't just given you the gift of that one 20 minute video I've given you the gift of the whole back catalogue of tons yeah. and tons of yourself. awesome yep. adventures. Yeah, so you real—that's exactly right, mate. You, you're going to be able to lose yourself through um, through all of their other videos, which is awesome. Mm, great work. Here, here's one in a completely different, completely different realm. Well, to anything I've spoken about tonight. Okay. I found this particularly interesting, confronting, perhaps scary, and it's no surprise it's got to do with bears again. <laughs> the uh, we talked about bears on the last podcast, and so coincidentally, this has popped up in the meantime. And we talk about how uh, you know how Craig and I are not really afraid of anything when we're out hiking in the Australian wilderness, except for, you know, other humans really. And we talked about bears and how good it is that we, we don't get eaten by bears when we're sleeping. But this particular guy, um, Clay Newcomb, some people may be familiar with, with him. Uh, he has his own podcast and he's part of, um, the meat eater team, if anyone's familiar with those guys. All right. What he does is he's trying to ascertain whether a pistol, so a gun, a handgun, or bear spray is the best for defending yourself against a bear. He starts off by interviewing this guy called Todd Orr. I think that's how you pronounce it, O-double-R. We've spoken about him, I'm sure, years ago on the podcast because when he first got, he got attacked by this bear. Yeah. And it was absolutely horrific. Yeah. Horrific. That not, not so much the fact that he got attacked, but he retells the story in this um, really well again. And it made me cringe again because he he says things like, this bear was attacking me and I'm, I'm trying not to react because 
you know, that, that obviously the bear's trying to remove a threat. That's all it's doing. It's trying to remove a threat. It's scared of you. So it's attacked this guy and he let out a bit of a sound like he went, he, he bit him and he went, ah. And the second that he did that, he said, it just went into a frenzy. Like it went absolutely twice as mental because it realized there was still life in him. And uh, oh, he goes on and on and it attacks him twice. It's it's horrible. I mean, the good thing is he he survived and that's, you know, that's fantastic. But that's basically the start of the whole thing. And so Clay is asking this guy, did you have bear spray? Did you have a gun? Like, what's the best? And and he you know, basically says, but the time, you think that bears would be really noisy, he said, but by the time they're on you and you turn around, it's game over. He said, I don't care if you, you what, what gun you had or whatever, you don't have time. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to comprehend. Mm. So what he does from there is he goes and does this, tactical pistol training like the proper stuff proper pistol training to get his speed his draw speed um and reaction times down so he does all of that and then he goes and does bear spray training course to um they have canister exactly the same as what you would use but they remove the um the capsicum spray the capsicum element from it so the, the kind of chili element if you want to call it that mm-hmm. so it no longer burns it's just a it's just an expulsion of gas so he can train with that safely and so he goes through this whole training course and then at the end they have this reenactment uh not a reenactment not that's not really a good um word for it uh Mm. It's basically trying to make the training as realistic as possible. So they have this little remote control buggy thing and I have a full cutout of a bear on it. And um, this thing's screaming towards you at the speed a bear would. And then when it gets to a particular um, distance away, the trainer yells out bear. So you don't know exactly where it's coming from whether it's directly behind you or off to the left or off to the right because hmm. obviously you wouldn't in a real case either mm-hmm. so they just yell bear as if your friend has just yelled out bear and you, you spin around and you have to take the canister out of your belt or out of your you know the front of your pack take the pin out and spray it all in like a second and man, when you see how fast this thing moves on him, and he he even says, like, "Oh, I'm freaking out," and I know it's not a bear. Yeah, right. I'm getting scared, and I know it's not a bear. <laughs> I'm getting nervous, and I know it's not a bear. He says the other thing is, I know you're going to say it at some point. I'm not sitting here relaxing, having a conversation. Yeah, you didn't catch me off guard. I'm actively waiting prepared in some way, yeah. i'm prepared i'm waiting i know where my canister is i know you're going to say it and then all of a sudden you say it and he still gets it wrong you know mm. so i think there's um oh yeah just it's kind of makes the whole thing a bit more crazy mm. um 
yeah, it's worth watching. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure that if you if that's something you have had to deal with, do have to deal with, or you're hiking in areas um, of the world where bears are yeah, right. um, around, I do think you'll pick something up out of that. I'd find it hard to believe you wouldn't pick something up out of that. Um, and I mean, I don't care if you pro pistols, anti pistols, uh, whatever. Um, it's a, it's a defense. It, it, this is all about defense. And, um, it, as I said, even just using the bear spray and knowing also there's only a certain distance that you can use it at. And I've heard this before that people have had a bear charge them and they've just expelled the entire contents of the can before oh. the bears even got within range of yeah, it. And then it... the clouds just dissipated and then the bears still coming. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've peaked too early. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's uh, you got to watch out Jeez. for that. It's interesting anyway. It's worth watching. Oh, wow. That sounds scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. But they've it's put it to, they put it together fantastically. Like it's a good little twenty minute good watch. Um, documentary. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, the last one I'm going to leave you with here is something that oh I wasn't going to put it in, but I did I did recently rewatch this, and it just really resonated with me again as much as it did must have been ten years ago. I watched this the first time. Some of the Listeners will be familiar with this. And if you're not, I guess I'm speaking to the um, potentially the younger crowd here, but also I think people that just don't um, delve as deeply into YouTube as I do. <laughs> um, Craig, I may have given you this. I may have um, given you a copy of this years ago when I gave you a whole bunch of kind of outdoor videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. What is it? But it's that Dick Prennicky, I think is his surname's pronounced. And it's this particular short documentary is called One Man's Alaska. He's the guy who, for 20 years, he was a uh, diesel mechanic in a place called Kodiak, which is a pretty brutal, um, brutal part of the world. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But up in that area. And after, after that, he just decided, I I just don't want to be around civilization. Like that's not how I want to live my life anymore. So he ends up in this place called Twin Lakes, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. And he, he builds this cabin by hand, Mm. uh, by himself. And, he canoes to this place with all his tools and everything, mm. just picks a nice spot. Says, oh, I think that's where I want my cabin and just builds this cabin. Uh, the engineering of it is fantastic. He builds a little, uh, like a fridge refrigerator underground because it's freezing cold up there. He digs down and then lines it with timber and stuff like that and puts a good lid on it and everything. And basically, he uses that as a refrigerator. 
um, cool. and freezer actually, to be honest, because it is that cold up there. Yeah. But yeah, he does. Uh, he, he, yeah, it's just fantastic, and the and his life up there is. I mean, it, I guess it is rough and rugged, but it's sim- simple. So mm. unbelievably simple. I think I've seen and, that. It's a full uh, off grid sort of scenario, isn't it? Where he's 100%. got percent. N- no, very little even communications and stuff. Is that right? Absolutely, and, he's yeah. got zero. Yep. Yeah, he has to. Um, like even if he wants to, it takes him days to paddle. My understanding is a couple of days to paddle to, um, or at least a full day to paddle back to civilization. Only if the lake is still and the wind's not against him or else he he can't do it yeah Um, so yeah you can't just jump if you're feeling sick or you've broken your leg you don't just jump in and paddle for 20 minutes um like it was very remote so yeah it was it popped up again and on my radar and i watched it again and and was just as fascinated uh the second time i think there's a there's a longing for stuff like that. Uh, I think, especially in recent times. Uh, I mean, it's no surprise, but it's it's also um, well documented that the shift to that tree change has been significant in the last um, eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's well documented that people are moving out of cities into the country at is at a staggering rate, more than it's ever been. Uh, and I think everybody's realised that that's um that's where you need to be yeah. uh i mean of course it's not for everybody and and you can't do it to his level um but nevertheless it's a fun watch it's a fascinating watch and that's like i said that's a around about a 35 minute documentary from memory but <clears throat> there's actually a couple of films that he's made um, this one is a is him is somebody else doing a film about him, but he has actually made entire films about um, himself living out there, mm. and he does the voiceover and everything. And yeah, he's he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy too. He's he's just tough as nails. Awesome. Yeah, it's tops. Excellent. Uh, it made us that time where. The quiz needs to be answered. I've remembered. Have we got to the end of the media? Yeah, we got to the end. We did it. I don't think I missed a thing. That's all good stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, we made it. And everybody listening who's still here, you made it as well. Oh, look at that. Right on cue. (laughs) I've only got water here. But I deliberately didn't. I deliberately did not brew a coffee um, tonight because normally at your place we finish late and then I drive home, and I want to be awake. Yeah, you want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I've only got a, a ten meter walk and I'm done and dusted. Uh, before that, though, before I forget, the oh. question was: How much larger is the USA than Australia? Um, the answer is in square kilometers or square miles, whichever you prefer. Craig, do you want to have a guess at that? It's a pretty, I mean, it's, it's a hard question. I'll admit, 
Okay, so USA, so it doesn't not including Canada. I mean, just mm, the USA. Do you? I mean, you could even say if you want to use a percentage as well, that's fine by me. Whatever um, suits you. So you're, I, I reckon you could fit one and a half Australias in there. One and a half Australias into the US. The USA. Well, I'm glad you said that because I'm because very it wrong. Just, that's right. Well, it just proves, um, you know, the the misconception, and I guarantee that uh, all of our listeners from around the world would have it as vastly <laughs> uh, incorrect as that. They're more similar, aren't they? The answer, my friends, is a mere seven point six square kilometers. What? That is two point nine square miles. So basically, oh, one wow. tiny bit of fake Florida that they've put in some <laughs> fake dirt and made an extra bit of land is the difference between um, our country and their country. So remember I said I wanted people to learn a bit about Australia? Well, yeah, people might have either thought that we were absolutely enormous um, or that it was this tiny little island the size of, say, New Zealand or something. So the land area, the actual... The, the land area... Is the same, pretty much. Is the difference of three square miles. That's amazing. Eight square kilometres, which is absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Hmm. Absolutely crazy. Oh, that's, that's a bit of trivia. If it's that close, then maybe we should just... Have learnt that. I mean, that makes that's a good way to sort of put that in perspective, isn't it? Yeah, you basically. I mean, for argument's sake, you just say they're exactly the same. Wow. I mean, I'm sure on a um on a low tide we get that uh, that three square miles back. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got like fifty. How many states? Fifty. Fifty-two. Used to be. Fifty-two. Used to be fifty-two. Have they changed that? I think there's more now. But um, and we've got seven. I think. I believe so. Three, four. Are you counting a territory as a state? <laughs> yeah, territories and Tassie. So, yeah, we've got very few compared to them. But um, so large. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And when you compare it like that, we've just split it up. We're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like a giant yeah. pizza or something. Oh, yeah, we'll just cut it up pretty evenly. And what, seven slices? That's good for me. Everybody happy? <laughs> and then if you want to go but, uh, population, it'd be another crazy comparison. You know, yeah, I'm sure it would be. We've got. And. Uh, we've only got like 28 million, 29 million or something like that people. And the other thing that's perhaps unique is our states don't differ that much at all in laws and restrictions and things like that. Like You don't walk into another state and all of a sudden, you know, you're allowed to, yeah. you know, drive twice as fast or whatever it might be. Like, Nothing really changes. It keeps it pretty simple. It's quite complicated in the states, perhaps. Yeah, I do believe so. Moving jurisdictions. No, that's interesting. Thanks, for that Tom. Uh, no worries, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. I do hope that uh, you got a ton of reading and watching uh, information out of this episode. That was the whole purpose of it. No doubt. Yep, it is the lockdown episode and um, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, 
Australia, we're not doing too bad in comparison to a lot of places. We're just doing it as a precaution. Um, I won't, you know, bore you with that, but it doesn't matter where you are. I know it's happening around the world. So if you're stuck indoors for any other reason, maybe you just got the common cold and you're stuck at home for a few days, there's going to be some good watching in there for you, I can tell you that. All good? All good, mate. Thanks so much for sharing. No worries, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll talk to mm. the the rest of you crew soon too. Craig and I are going to do a bit of a sprint to the finish line at the end of the year, so get ready to hear from us. Quickly, quickly, thank you to everyone supporting us on Kofi.com as well. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, extremely grateful, and every little bit helps. Really appreciate it. On that note, thanks, guys. Take it easy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you later. See ya. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.